Welcome to the Pacific Point Church Podcast, where we're learning to love and live like Jesus. During this half hour, we're praying that God will direct, encourage, and speak to you. If you would like to partner with Pacific Point Church and our church plants, you can download the Pacific Point Church app at the App Store or visit us at pacificpointchurch.com slash give. At that same site, you can also watch and listen to previous sermons, read follow-up blog posts and extended notes, and even connect with Pacific Point Church on social media. We hope you're encouraged by today's message. We've been talking about entering the story. Two weeks before I left, one of the things we said is, we really want to focus on entering into the story that God's writing, that you and your lives, who you are as Christians, who you are as believers, that you enter into the story that God is writing. I think it's an important thing because many Christians that I know, including myself many times, don't enter into the God story. They stay in their story or they're so consumed by their story, they never truly step in to the story that God wants to write. Now we know this very clearly from Psalm 139 that that, that God says, each step set out before you before one of them comes to pass. What does that mean? That God has a story that he wants to write. You just have to be in sync with him on that. Eddie, what did uh, Jay Vernon McGee say this morning? What? Listen, I love this quote. I love that. He told me that this morning. He who is praying for a good harvest should say amen with farming tools in his hands. Meaning this, there's this, this tension between be and do. This tension between who I am as a Christian and what I'm supposed to step out and do as a Christian. And many times Christians just kind of sit and don't. But I don't want us to be a church that does that. I want us to be a church that that literally enters into the story on a regular basis. James 1 says, do not merely listen to the word so as to deceive yourself, but do what it says. And what we had said a couple weeks ago was this. There's several ways that we're asking you to enter during this season. We're asking you to write thank yous to someone randomly. We're asking you to write your story down. Has, has anybody done that yet? Not to bring condemnation. There's no condemnation crisis. We got one in the front row. There you go. It's always a front row guy that's do, or girl that's doing you know the homework. You know. But I, I want to encourage you. Take some time to write out your grace story, your conversion story. And you look at it, and it may be a page or two pages, and just wrestle through it and get it down to a little sentence so that you may have an opportunity to, to share it with others. Share your story. That's the next one. Invite someone to dinner. Bring someone into your house that you don't usually bring into your house and let them see the love of Jesus through a, a meal. Pray for others. And the last thing we said was to forgive. Forgive sets the table. If there's unforgiveness in your heart, then there's a block here. And when we forgive others, it sets the table to encounter and enter into the story that God has called us to enter into. I'm going to have Chris come up and read our scripture for today because I don't have glasses, I'm blind, and she has, she's, I have a face for radio, and she's much better. You just got that? That's kind of funny. Jeez. Hi. All right. It's a long one. There you go. Oh, let me get you the mic so they can hear you. Yeah. <laughs> we worked on this all last night, you can see. We got this down. Okay, here we go. 
Um, all right, here we go, Luke 2. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son, and wrapped him in swaddling clothes, and laid him in a manger, because there was no place for him in the end. And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. Wondered if, oh, oh, hello. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as, as it has been told to them. Right. Father, I thank you for this time for your word, the Christmas story, the birth of our Savior, Christ Jesus. Lord, speak to us this morning. God, let us enter into that story. Lord, we thank you. We thank you, Father God. In Jesus' name, amen. Can I say one little sweet yes, thing? Yes, Oh, this week we had the little Christmas program for Majors Preschool, and they sang Away in a Manger, and he went to McKenna, and he's like, Mom, my name's in that song, Away in a Major. <laughs> that is good. That's funny. Good stuff. Yeah, I like that. Keep you around. The beauty of that scripture in that passage is this. That this is the picture where Jesus entered into the story. The story of human uh, and mankind. The story that you and I are called to enter into. This is the story that where Jesus takes on who he is. And, 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 and empties himself of it. And becomes a baby, baby to enter this story that you and I are walked in, walking in today. Christmas... 2022, 21, sorry, Pacific Point Church. Here's, here's what I want to talk about the next three weeks. Is it true? Is it kind? Or is it necessary? Now, now here's the beauty of this. I am giving you extra blessings this morning because here's what I'm telling you. I'm going to preach on this, but here's the key. If you take this advice, Socrates, and you use it at your Christmas parties, in your fa family gatherings, whenever you have your work party, whatever it is, if you just use this principle, I will save you a lot of heartache. What do I mean by that? Is it true? Is it kind? Or is it necessary? When you go to Christmas dinner and Uncle Jerry weighs 400 pounds because he had that COVID time alone, it may be true that he's gained a lot of weight, but it's not necessary to say it. See what I mean? 
it may be kind because he needs to lose the weight, but it may not be kind too. It may be not kind. So there, it may be necessary for you to have that glass of wine. But <laughs> to get to the truth of what you're experiencing, to be kind. You get, did you miss that one? <laughs> but it may not be necessary to have the second glass because the kindness goes out the window. <laughs> if you sit in this and your words are true, if you measure your words and they're kind, and sometimes you look and say, maybe it's just not necessary to say, it's a good rule of thumb for Christmas this year and life in general for all of us. So week one, what I want to talk about today is this. Is it true? Is it true? Is it true? Let's start with what's not true. Some things that we talk about in Christmas, and it's all right, but what's not true? Jesus was born on the 25th of December. We don't know that to be true. Tertullian, who's one of the church fathers, did these math equations and figured this out, and, and we came to this date through all of this. I, I don't know, but we don't know that he's born on the 25th. The inn, this is the one I really like. The innkeeper was uncaring and heartless. It makes for a good story. You ever watch those stories? Like the little drummer boy when I was a kid growing up. It was classic. You know, the claymation one. And, and, and they go to the, the inn. And the guy at the inn is just a complete jerk. I'm like, can you imagine? You know, baby in tow. And you go, get out of here. I got no room for you. He may be booked, but he's not going to kick you on the way out, I don't think. But we like the story. It, it plays well. Come on, really? It does. Xmas is a secular way of saying Christmas. Not true. You know, he, he, I heard that there's this big movement in the church for, you know, don't take Christ out of Christmas. Don't put the X there. Well, the reality is this. X is a, there's a Greek letter. And, and when we look at Xmas, what Christio in the Greek starts with that letter. So what they did to condense it is Christio in the Greek which was written, uh, they, they use that letter, and it means the same thing. So it's not true that the world is trying to take Christ out of Christmas by putting Xmas. Not true. There were cattle and, uh, in the stable or the cave. I mean, again, it, it makes for a great story. It makes for a really good uh, uh, nativity scene like my mom has. Because you got, you, you know, you run, if you just got a cave in Jesus and Mary and Joseph, you need some cows and some sheep, and you need some stars and wise men. But... We don't know. There were three wise men. We know that there are three gifts. There could have been many more wise men. We don't know exactly how many were there. We know they were there. We know that there are three gifts. These are things that, that we hold on that are tradition, and that's fine. But I just wanted to have a little fun with what's, what's not true before we get into the truth. Because the truth is this. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them at the end. Our attitude towards truth, towards this truth, determines the outcome of our lives. That's one you might want to write down. The attitude towards this truth, that Christ came some 2,000 years ago, in the form of a child, the attitude, our understanding, the attitude of this truth will determine the outcome of our lives. 
Because if I stand in and believe this to be true, if I walk in the truth of this, that Jesus was born some 2,000 years ago, came and took himself and placed himself in this, this, this body of a baby to walk there for some 33 years, and I walk in that truth, it changes me. Because what I realize is this, that this God that loves me so much was willing to come here to give his life for me. Therefore, my life should look a little bit different. It just should. If I don't walk in this truth on a regular basis, I, I become a, 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 a casual Christian. A Christian that, that just kind of comes and goes. You know, my favorite. what's my favorite line? A Christian that comes to church twice a month. I know you're sick of that, but it's my favorite line, you know. It keeps getting... Uh, but, but that attitude changes everything. Is it true? Three things I want to look at this morning. The truth about who we are and about who Jesus is. Number two, transformation The whole, is the whole point of truth. And number three, truth gives us hope. Truth gives us... As you listen to these words today, think of them in the context of this. I need to enter into the story. Look, if you have a relationship with Jesus, some of us may not. I don't, you know, I don't know everybody's story. But if you have a relationship with Jesus, then you are called to step into and walk in the story. If you've made Jesus Lord of your life, then you need to enter the story during this Christmas time. And what that means is that you're bringing hope to the hopeless. What that means is you're understanding this truth. What I'm asking you to do is to be a Christian. What I'm asking you to do this Christmas is to enter into the story like you may, may not have done in the past. And watch what God might do. Watch what God might do. Jesus said this about truth. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. He's very clear. What did Jesus mean by this? Is What he's saying is this. This is who I am, and this is who you are. This is who I am very clearly. I am the way, the truth, and life. No one comes to the Father but through me. What he's saying is, you need me to encounter the Father. And he's letting us know who he is and who we are. The truth about Jesus is this. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us, John 1.14. The Word became flesh and, and literally lived amongst us. He could feel, he could hear, he could see, he could touch the things that you and I do. He understood what it meant to be under the pressure of sin. He didn't sin, but he understood what it meant. He understood what it meant to feel pain, having been crucified, having been beaten. He understood. He understands what you're going through. It's not a God that's far off. It's not a God that's ever not experienced what you're experiencing right now. He is a God that has experienced every piece of your life and can walk with you in it. See, here's the misnomer, going off topic. You want Jesus to change your circumstances. And what Jesus wants is this, to walk with you in your circumstances. And some of you are mad at Jesus because he hasn't changed your circumstances. And Jesus says, I'll walk with you in it. I'll give you the hope. I'll give you the resources to make it. I'll give you the peace. And the church has kind of flipped it around. But the truth about Jesus is this. He came and experienced what you and I experience. 
The truth about you and me is this. There is no one righteous, not even one. There is no one righteous, not even one. Therefore, we need a Savior. Hence, Jesus' statement, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. The truth is this. You need a Savior. The truth is this. Either you pay for your sin, or He pays for your sin. And, and the separation that comes when you pay for your sin is the se eternal separation from Him. The truth about you and me is I need a Savior. I need Jesus. Because I know who I am. And, and if you can keep that in front of your face, who you are, if your issue is doubt, keep Jesus, look in the mirror and go, Jesus, I need you, that I don't doubt. If your issue is fear, keep Jesus in front of you and look in that mirror and go, God, I don't want to walk in this fear. And I don't have to. See, when you look in the mirror on a regular basis, you get the truth of who you are. There's an interesting passage in 2 Corinthians 4.10. It says this. Always carry in the body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our body. It's this duality of, of carrying the death of Christ that, that brings us the life of Christ. Let me tell you a little bit what, what he's saying here. The truth is this. The life of Jesus is manifest in us as we know him. The life of Jesus is only manifested if we have relationship with him. Along with that is this. As I engage him, as I pray, as I read this word, as I surround myself with other believers, as, as we cut on one another and, and, and strengthen one another and all the, the manifest life of Jesus is in me through the power of the Holy Spirit. We must always carry the life and death of Jesus. What is Paul saying here? He's saying this, that Jesus took the pain of the beating, that Jesus took the cross and died. And for many of us, there's a cross that we are carrying. There are pains that we are carrying. They may be physical, they may be uh, emotional, they may be uh, monetary, they may be one of many, relational, I don't know what it is that you're wrestling with. But understanding that, that Jesus endured, but the beauty of this is that he gives us life. He walks with us in it. He walks with us right in the minute, middle of it. And scripture explains clearly that those who carry the gospel are just fragile vessels. That as we carry this gospel, we're fragile vessels that contain a powerful truth. And that's what changes lives. When you look at your life and you go, I've got to be this and I've got to be strong and I've got to have things together and I've got to have my finances and I've got to have this and that and the other thing in order to preach the gospel, the Bible is completely contrary to that. In fact, Paul says, look, my power is in Christ Jesus and who I am. And my weakness is who I am as a human. I'm a broken fragile vessel. We continue to carry the gospel and all and gospel to all who will hear. God allows our physical bodies to continue to reflect the death of Jesus uh, death of Jesus in, in our bodies. Earthly body that was crushed to pay the sin of humanity. Jesus paid the price for you and I. The truth is this. Paul did not proclaim to carry the gospel message in his own power. He proclaimed Christ in his weakness and suffering 
to show his power through him. And some of you are in something right now. And God wants to show his power in your life during this Christmas season. And not just during this Christmas season. Throughout your life. Some of you are in different struggles right now at this very moment. Some of you may not be in any struggles right now. Things may be great. But let me tell you, it's coming. So when (laughs) you're either in it, coming out of it, or going back in it. That's just the way life works because it's broken, this place. So when you understand the power of Christ in your life, and you're right in the middle of that thing, whatever that thing is, Christ is powerful when I go, I let go. So you know what your family needs to see this season? Is it a confident man or woman who's in the middle of some kind of struggle that just loves God and just like, no, God's good. He's got me. He's got me. Look, I'm not asking you to do something I don't do. We're sitting outside having church. God, you got me. We're out here doing this. God, you got me. I, living in Orange County. God, you got me. I don't know, you know? And, and I hope just a little bit that someone's reading my story. That I've entered the story in such a way. I hope my wife and my children and, and my friends and where I work, I hope that as I, I, I've entered into the story, they say, how do you do that? How, how is there a peace? You're not sure how you're going to pay the bills. How is there a peace when we're not sure if it's going to rain Sunday? God, you got me. And it almost becomes this, for me, it's become this, I, don't, I, I, I think it's unholy to say a game. So uh, I'll say it, but take it with a grain of salt. When something comes, I just go, all right, God, your turn. Do what you got to do. And it's this relationship of, of years with him and the ministry of, of just going, I, okay, God, what are you going to do? And trust in him. And there's something about it. There's a peace to that. See, when Jesus shines his light into our lives and we acknowledge that we are sinners and the need of forgiveness, atonement, and, and, and justification, this truth should drive us to our knees. This truth that I need a savior should put, savior, put, should put me in a place where I'm on my face going, oh God, have mercy on me. This keeping it in front of us, this truth that we like to put on the side as a church many times as Christian believers. This truth should drive us to our knees and humble us so that we're not, so that I am not the jerk that I can be with my, that I am too many times with my wife and my kids. So that I'm not whatever, fill in the blank. If I'm on my knees and I'm worshiping and I'm encountering Jesus on a daily basis, I'm a different person. That's the truth. When we humble ourselves to acknowledge this truth about ourselves, then the Holy Spirit can fill us, enlighten us, lead us, and give us the strength and power that we lack in our own selves. Number two, transformation. The whole point of the truth of this word is transformation, and the church has forgotten that on many levels. I'm generalizing. Christians, we have forgotten that the whole truth of this word from Genesis to Revelation is this, that it would transform me. If it doesn't transform me, we might as well just get rid of it. So there's one of two issues. Either this is flawed, or this is flawed. And we know the truth. 
This is flawed. John 3, 3 through 4 says this, For I rejoice greatly when brethren come and testify of the truth that is in you, just as you walk in the truth. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in the truth. I have no greater joy than to hear that this church walks in the truth. That you as believers walk in the truth. That when I have breakfast with Melvin, I hear him walking in the truth. When I spend time with Hawkins, that he walks in the truth. When, when, when I, 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 Juliana, that walk in the truth, I, it brings great joy that God brings you to a place. And I understand what he's saying here in this verse. Walk in the truth. Transformation is about putting sin to death and allowing the Holy Spirit to continually develop me, to continually enlighten me, and to continually sanctify me. Too many times we just stifle the Holy Spirit. See, here's the deal. The Holy Spirit is a gentleman. He doesn't come into your life and bash things up and bring the tornado like I do so many times. The Holy Spirit doesn't love chaos. He brings order. And he comes into our life and brings order when we invite him in and we walk with him in this walk. He doesn't just bust us up and, and start, you know, bringing order to your lives. No, there's just, what I say, this tension between be and do. But when I'm, when I'm focused and when I'm on my knees in humility before God, and when I'm asking the Holy Spirit, he continually develops me. He continually enlightens me through God's word. He continually sanctifies me, which means becoming more like him. If the church would just grab a hold of that, if the church just believed that this word would transform them the way that it says it would, if we would just walk in the truth of what this word says about us, we would be transformed. But it takes this daily encounter with Jesus. Not once every two weeks. Not even once every week. It's every day as I encounter the living God. The truth is this. The Holy Spirit continually transforms me into the image of Christ. But I can stifle it. I can stifle it. And I do it way too many times. I can stifle it through sin in my life. I can stifle it through ignoring. I can stifle it through, through not engaging. Here's the beauty. As we studied in Romans 8, 1. Therefore, there's no condemnation in Christ Jesus. At any moment, I can come back into this, this, the purity and the beauty of this relationship and walk in freedom. And not believe the lie that God won't accept me. And not believe the lie that I'm not good enough. And not believe the lie that this isn't going to work out. It's the beauty of the gospel. It's the beauty and the truth of the gospel. Asking us to enter the story so that your co-workers, your wife, your husband, your boyfriend, your girlfriend, so that your neighbors might, might touch or, or see or hear Jesus. I'm asking you to enter the story not for you, although let me tell you, it is for you. I'm asking you to enter the story for the world, for others, because that's what Jesus is about. He came for you and I, not for himself. Do you think he wanted to come in here? He wanted relationship with us. Therefore, he submits himself to this, being a baby and, and living 33 years and then being crucified by the ones that he created. I'm asking that we would enter the story for others. That others might have hope. 
that others might have hope. I, I talk about it, right? I get this other job that I work in. Juliana, I get the pleasure of working with her, but it's this, it's, it's amazing. There's this little tag team kind of thing going and, and, and I'll, I'll minister to, to one of the co-workers and then all of a sudden I find out Juliana comes right behind me and she's ministering to the same person and, 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 and in this office there's a number of people that we've, we've been able to preach the gospel to and some of it's just loving them well. For others, they're going to church and they're ones getting baptized and, and I mean, it's just crazy what God's doing, but it's, it's because we, we're entering the story, not just working. Your job isn't just your job. Your neighbors are not just your neighbors. And your family isn't just your family. Enter the story. And let them see, touch, and hear Jesus. Watch what God might do. The temptation of Christmas is to believe the lie. I need to have it all together before I go to the party. I need to have everything in order, you know, to make sure everybody knows that I've got it all together. I need to others or things to validate me. I need validation from others to feel good about the Christmas party. They're my favorite. I need to medicate. <laughs> Look, let's just put it on the table. I need to have one or two to make it through this with these people. There's a reality to that. The temptation is to believe that lie and it's not true. The truth is this. The transformation, the gospel that Jesus does and preaches and that is, is life changing. It's life changing. When you know who you are and know the power of Jesus, you're secure. Then you become his hands and feet. Then you become his hands and feet. But if you're dealing with all those other things, what are they going to think about me? What do I look like? What do I, what do I, what about the job I don't have? What about the, the money I don't have? What about the, I didn't bring the right present? What about, oh, what about my hair? What about, I, I don't know what about. When I walk in the security of Jesus, I walk in with the truth that is not a pride. It's a humility that I can do all things through Christ Jesus, even in this crazy, crappy family, if that's your case. I'm not talking about us, Mom. I promise. I want to make sure. <laughs> when you know who you are and know the power of Jesus, you are secure. And you become his hands and feet. Number three, the truth gives us hope. The truth gives us hope. Last and, and, and so important is this, in the season of hopelessness. And, and I say that uh, because I, I, I talk to people regularly and, 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 and the hopelessness that comes around Christmas, and it may be about losing a loved one, it may be about being sick, it may be about not being able to pay the bills or not having a job, whatever it is, it's this hopelessness that kind of grabs a hold of us. And it seems to be heightened in this time. But the truth gives us hope. The truth of who Christ is gives us that hope that we don't have to walk in that. Truth is this. There is a reason. There is no reason to be discouraged this Christmas when we know the truth about Jesus. No matter what we see, feel, or hear, instead we have hope. We have hope. He is hope. This word is our hope. This word is our hope. The results are powerful when His truth liberates you. The results are... I don't need your approval to have, because I have his. I don't need the approval of my family 
I have the approval of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. I'm good with who God created me to be. I don't have to fit whatever it is, Orange County. I don't have to fit whatever you say I need to fit in. I am wonderfully and fearfully made, perfectly made by the Father, the Creator of Heaven and Earth. I don't need the second glass of wine to make it through the night. Because I rest in His peace. I'm not telling you not to have a second glass, but if the second glass is so that you can make it through the night, don't have a second glass. Be filled with the Holy Spirit and the power of the Holy Spirit and walk in the confidence of who you are in Him. That's hope. That's hope. The truth is this, the birth of a Savior. The birth of my Savior. The birth of my Savior. It's personal. The birth of my Savior brings me hope. We can only walk in this hope to the degree that we embrace and we love truth. If you don't embrace, if you don't encounter Jesus on a daily, regular basis, if you don't embrace the truth of this word, you won't walk in the hope that God has called us to walk in. In fact, you'll be more like in James where it says that we're tossed to and fro, unstable. But God has called us to walk and embrace the truth of who we really are. Our prayer, my prayer for us this Christmas season as you enter in is this. Teach me your way, O Lord. And I will walk in your truth. Teach me your way through your word, O Lord. That I might walk in the truth of this word. That I might walk in the hope of this word. That I might walk in the power of this word. That I might walk in the deliverance of this word. That I might walk in the fullness of this word and who you are in me. That I can be who you've called me to be and free. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Enter in today. Then you got to enter in tomorrow. You enter in the next day. You enter in the next day. Through prayer, through word, each and every day. I've said this before and I'll say it again. If we treated our spouses or our significant others the way we treat our relationship with Jesus, we would not be married. If, if, if I just called upon Chris when I was in trouble, or when I wanted to rub the bottle, the genie bottle, I encounter her every day. And there's some bad days. There's some days that I'm sure she goes, I don't really want to encounter you. There, there. But each and every day I encounter this woman because I love her. Because I, I want her affection. Because I want, to, I want to listen to her. I want to do life with her. It's the same thing with my Savior. It's the same truth with baby Jesus that came in here some 2,000 years ago and lived for 30-some-odd years and then died on the cross for me and then went and sat at the right hand of the Father. It's that same relationship I need every day. Each and every day. So as you enter in during this Christmas, pray. Read God's Word. Do it each and every day. Not out of obligation, but out of the same love that I have for my wife when I want. And there, there again, there are mornings you go, I don't want to talk. But, but, but I, I choose to love. And choose the same love with Jesus. You do that, you'll have just entered the story this Christmas. Stay for a while. 
enter in and stay for a while. See what God might do. See what he might do. Is it true? Is it kind? And is it necessary? Socrates may have said it, but Jesus is the origin. As you go into this Christmas season, and you get into those situations, take this simple truth. Apply it. See what might happen. Enter into the story. Watch God do incredible things. That's right.